0: Mic check, boom, cold open, how you like it, cold open, what's up? (laughs) My name is Ty, as per usual, I am always your host here on the Finish It podcast, the unofficially official podcast of everything Miami Dolphins, and yes, let me address the gigantic elephant in the room, no, we did not have an episode against the Bengals, well, because we joined some street fights with people in Cincinnati, no, I'm kidding, Um, but that's what it turned into. Okay, the whole game turned into a street fight. Um, not a whole lot to talk about that game. There's a couple of major key talking points I'd really want to talk about. Number one, obviously, Xavier Howard is the greatest defensive back in the National Football League um, that's ever That's ever done it. Totally kidding. Um, but he's great, right? He's, oh my God, he's like this generation. He's like, I don't want to say he's like Darrell Rivas because now everybody and their mother is going to come at me. But, I mean, you try to throw against Xavier Howard. It hasn't gone well for any quarterback this season, especially in the last five games, right? Just that secondary Miami is actually, it's actually something to kind of brag about for the first time in a while, which is, which is wild. But we're not here to just talk about Xavier Howard and ride his dick. What we're here to talk about is we're here to talk about everything Miami Dolphins, okay? And the number one thing, main takeaway, just really quick about the Bengals before I jump into what happened here against the Chiefs. Really quick, we saw the exact culture that Brian Flores has established. And if you don't believe me, I don't know where you've been for two weeks, if you haven't seen it, but um, Brian Flores was ready to kill Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. He was absolutely... It was like watching a WWF fight back in, like, 1998. Like, dude, he was getting ready to put somebody through a table. That shit was wild. But that shows you that he is willing to go to war for his team. And as a player, you have to look at that and be like, holy shit. This is a coach that's not just here's the X's and the O's. This is a coach that is literally willing to commit a felony for me. (laughs) Like, it's absolutely absurd. It is absurd. But with that being said, that was my main takeaway from the Bengals game. Um, was just really the fact that we really saw the culture come front and center. Five ejections. Um, Xavier and Howard, it still was not a punch. It wasn't a punch. But we're here to talk about the most recent game. Time of recording right now is December 16th. Where the hell have I been? Well, your boy's been cooking something up. And at the end of every single episode, we always talk about how you can go ahead and donate to the podcast, make everything go, make everything run smoothly, right? It keeps us here. Quite frankly, I don't get paid to do this, okay? This is something that I do, right? And the reason why we ask for these donations, we ask for these donations because they don't immediately affect us. All of the proceeds that we get here at the Finish It Podcast headquarters, all of our proceeds go immediately to the MS Foundation. If you don't know what MS is, MS is multiple sclerosis, and it's a disease that I personally um, am affected by, and it affects millions of people. Um, There is no cure for it. Um, MS is a, it's an autoimmune disorder. It's actually not a disorder. It's actually a disease. You can go ahead and read up all you want about it. Just be careful on what you click on. Don't go on like WebMD, um, look up very reliable sources, but that is where all of the proceeds go. It is the holiday season. And by no means am I asking you for a donation. If you feel so willing to make a donation, that is amazing. If you do not, then I'm just appreciating you tuning on in to listen to me ramble about some bullshit about the Miami Dolphins. But with that out of the way, we're now here at the four-minute mark. Let's go ahead and dive into what happened against Kansas City. And that was really this game. Yes, we did lose, and yeah, the playoff race is a little bit tighter, especially with the fact that the Ravens beat the Browns after the Lamar Jackson poop scandal, um, where he ran off at halftime to go take a shit. It kind of sums up what the Ravens have really been doing this season. Um, I'm allowed to talk shit because we're better than they are, (laughs) at least this season anyway. But the thing is, right, is this playoff race in the AFC is so close. It is such a tight, tight race that one fuck up, you're out, right? Look at Las Vegas, right? They were right there at the cusp. They're trying to claw their way back. Us, we've slipped up a game. Right. so really, here in the AFC East, not even the AFC East, but really just in the AFC period, right? You really cannot afford a fuck up and really, at this point, looking at it on paper in order for Miami to really get to the playoffs, if it happens like I've said for weeks on end now, if it happens, that's amazing. If it doesn't, who cares? <laughs> right? Um, it's just a great, you know, step forward in this rebuilding process that we're here in year 2 of um with Brian Flores at the helm. It's been an amazing year. It really has been. It's been a night and day difference compared to where we were last year. And really the main takeaway for that is it was the culmination of everything here up against the defending Super Bowl champions 11 and 1 Kansas City Chiefs. And Miami made the game a lot closer than I think Everybody thought, including me, who's a diehard Dolphins fan. I thought we were absolutely going to get blown away this game. I thought Tua was finally going to get that welcome to the NFL game, right? Where like he gets like four interceptions or he sacked like seven times. I thought that was going to happen and it didn't, right? And with that being said... Look at all of the players that Miami was missing. Miami's got a really bad injury bug recently. We don't have a COVID issue, we have an injury issue. Okay. Miami was able to go toe-to-toe and literally go down to the wire against the defending Super Bowl champions with a man who was worth half a billion fucking dollars in Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. Like that team is like that team is like the equivalent of the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, right? like they're just ridiculously crazy good just the amount of talent that's there that it's almost a monopoly of talent um and it's 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 insane to really see what Andy Reed has been able to construct there he's and I know I call Brian Flores Nostradamus a lot Andy Reed has got to be Nostradamus um because nobody expected Patrick Mahomes to be having the career that he's had thus far right like let's just be honest okay like, let's just be honest, okay? Everybody was hyping up Baker Mayfield, you know, even still when Johnny Manziel was somewhat relevant back when Patrick Mahomes was drafted. Yeah, he was drafted that long ago. Um, it's crazy, right? It's absolutely bananas to think about how far he's gone in his development. Um, I mean, look, he's just, he's one of the best to ever do it, okay? And it's, he's the best quarterback in the league right now, absolutely. And the Dolphins were able to stay toe-to-toe with that, right? Going into this game, Patrick Mahomes only had two interceptions. Miami picked him off twice in the first quarter. Okay? We had three interceptions the entire game. He left Miami with more interceptions in that game than he had the entire season. Right? So that just shows you the tenacity of the defense that we have really got working with here. We forced four turnovers and we only had one. Right? So same thing. Our turnover differential is... Once again, fantastic. But the thing for Miami is we just weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities. With that being said, I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for it, but we had a lot of injuries, okay? At the start of the second quarter, about halfway through, we lost both Jakim Grant as well as Devontae Parker, okay? At the most crucial point of the game, right? Not to mention Mike Gesicki going down later on in the game, right, with a shoulder injury, okay? Tua, who we've invested so much in, who's fantastic. He, you know, fantastic start to a career. He's got a nine touchdown, one interception, nine-to-one ratio. It's unheard of, right? Like, it's incredible. And quite frankly, he is throwing to people like Mac Hollins, Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry, and Antonio Callaway. okay? No disrespect to any of those guys, right? But you want to talk about the fact that we're able to stay toe-to-toe with a team such as the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're able to counterpunch, but we just simply just ran out of time because we just had one too many mistakes, like the safety, um, the interception that once again was not Tua's fault, but regardless, the fact that we're able to go to war with the defending Super Bowl champions with no run game, right? We're out Miles Gaskin, Matt Breida, and Ahmed this game, right? We're relying on Patrick Laird and DeAndre Washington. Okay, I've already gone over the receivers. We're missing Eric Flowers. Not to mention Kyle Van Noy was also out, and Bobby McCain came up on an injured ankle earlier in the game, and we were still able to make it down to the wire against Kansas City. That goes to show you the heart of this team, okay? And that goes to show you that this rebuild is 110% legit. That, no, it's not complete by any means necessary, but the pieces that we need are there, right? Because really, that's what it was going into this game. The main headline going into it was, are the Dolphins for real. And yeah, if we would have won, it would have absolutely shattered the NFL, right? It would have. Oh my God, a team of absolute misfits and scrubs just beat the defending Super Bowl champions, right? But the thing is, is the fact that we're able to hang around a team of that caliber into a second year of our rebuild is absolutely unheard of. And it's amazing to see, quite frankly, it's absolutely amazing to see that we finally have somebody who's competent in the coaching role, right? Because when you look at it, the coaches that Miami have had, the last time we had a coach that was somewhat, somewhat kind of knew what he was doing, that wasn't Dave Wanstead, was probably Nick Saban, okay? And the Nick Saban obviously left for Alabama. And he handed us Tua, so it was at least a nice, you know, parting gift about 10 years later, Um, but he basically made sure that, you know, Miami was going to draft Tua and said, hey, you guys had the opportunity to find a system quarterback like you had earlier with Drew Brees 10 years ago, but you didn't want to take him because of an injury. Hey, here's this kid Tua. This kid makes throws that nobody's ever seen in his life. He does have a small injury problem but he can bounce back and he can be that amazing system quarterback. Don't fuck this up, right? And Miami's taken that and they've run with it and they've given Tua the possible best start to his career that you could really ask for. Granted, he doesn't have all of his weapons there, right? That's all going to come in time, and that's why we have the plethora of draft picks that we have, our free agency. That's why we have all the cap space that we have, right? Is now we have to focus around centering everything around Tua, because the final pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. The, the main thing, really, that he's missing are those weapons. And the main thing that really stands out to me about Tua is the fact that he really is that system quarterback. And that's not a bad thing, right? You hear that term thrown around a lot. Oh, he's a system quarterback. He's he's not that good, right? Relax, okay? Because that's actually not a bad thing, okay? Being a system quarterback is not necessarily a bad thing. And what do I mean by Tua's a system quarterback? When you look at it, a lot of the plays that Tua runs are the RPO, right? So he is that system for like that West Coast, kind of like that spread kind of offense, which is super easy to transition to from the college game into the NFL, but it's still very difficult. Um, But really, when you look at it, his RPOs, they're up there with the amount that Drew Brees has, even when he was in college, right? So he is a system quarterback, and system quarterback itself is not a bad thing, right? Because with system quarterback, what that means is that he's, it's the guy who is able to go in, dissect a game plan and execute a game plan and elevate his team to the higher level, right? That's essentially what that means. He's just able to take the team, go exactly to where the benchmark is, where the benchmark has been set and raise that, raise the platform to make the offense better, make the entire team better and just make the system better. That much more thorough and that much more, I don't want to say, like, clinical, but really that's what it is. And that's essentially what a system quarterback does. And that's not necessarily a bad stigma to have. Okay? And that's the thing about Tua is he is that system quarterback. He's a system quarterback for the West Coast spread style, the RPO, right? And it works for him. The play-action rollout. The bootleg, you know, the the halfback draw, he looks great. You know, he really does. I mean, for God's sake, he had three touchdowns and he broke 300 yards for the first time. Two touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. And he was able to constantly string together drives to make that team compete with a literal Super Bowl winner that just happened in that stadium a year ago. It's absolutely unheard of. And I'm not saying it's just Tua, right? Because it is the offensive side of the ball. It is the defensive side of the ball. It is Chris Chris Greer. That's really hard to say. Chris Greer, Brian Flores, right? Like, we've got an incredible front office that has taken on this rebuild. And not only that, the culture of the players, we've all taken on this idea of the rebuild. And we've gone forward with it. We've embraced it. We haven't tried to shy away from it. Everybody knows exactly what they're getting into when they've signed the contracts here in Miami. Hey, this is a long-term project. If you're willing to ride with us, we're going to make something special. And Miami's doing that way ahead of schedule, which is unreal. And, you know, there is a couple of problems for Tua that he does need to work on. Um, But same thing. They're just those rookie mistakes, right? immediately looking for that 1-2, not really looking for the check down, looking for his 1-2 read, and it's not really there, so he holds on to it and he tries to make something out of nothing. But Tua doesn't really do that as much. He doesn't force passes when he doesn't need to. Tua actually plays the ball very safe, right? He's got two turnovers, period, a fumble and an interception. That's really not his fault. It was a 50-50 ball against Jakeem Grant that Tyron Matthew just so happened to be there to get the interception, right? But other than that, Tua is very safe. He's very conservative when he has the ball on the offensive side. And it's amazing to see how far this team is really going in such a short amount of time. And quite frankly, I'm very excited to see what's next. We do have the Patriots coming up next in the schedule and with the way that Cam Newton has not delivered in you know New England quite frankly it's been a it's been an utter disappointment i do expect Miami to win this especially being at home this is a must win game for Miami against New England it's absolutely a must win game to keep pace you know it's we have New England then Las Vegas and then we finish up with Buffalo really when it comes down to it if Miami wins out and All we need is just one Buffalo loss. Week 17 all of a sudden becomes an AFC East title game. And Miami could actually win the division for the first time since 2008. Right? It's absolutely unbelievable that a year ago we started 0-7. We finished at 5-11. We traded away a lot of our players. We got rid of a lot of dead cat. We went from 0-7 to 5-11, now we're sitting at 8-5, looking at a playoff spot, possibly a division championship. It is absolutely, like, two years in, okay? Talk to the Browns about a two-year rebuild. Talk to the Lions about a two-year rebuild, and tell me how far they got in two years. Talk to me about the Giants about a two-year rebuild, Right? And it's because Miami fully embraced the idea. And I hate saying they full sent it, but they 100% full sent it into rebuild mode. And they took care of business. And I look forward to seeing this game on Sunday against New England. It's a must win game for Miami. And we just need Miami to deliver. So tune in on Friday to the Finish It podcast where I will go a little bit more in-depth about what I think our game plan is going to be both offensively as well as defensively and how I feel Miami is going to come out on the other side of this game. That was the Sunday recap on this beautiful Wednesday. It was a very short episode today. Thank you for tuning on in, and as always, thank you, God bless, and go Miami Dolphins.